0: Good morning. It's good to be together. Please turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, and we'll be focusing in uh, verses 19 through 30. Thank you to the worship team, those who serve with their voices and musical instruments. It's such an encouragement, and it uh, helps us remember that we were purchased, who we live for, who we, why we gather. It's so good, so encouraging. Philippians 2, 19 through 30 is where we'll, we'll be this morning. Uh, Jesus in Matthew 25 shared uh, a, a story, a parable called the Parable of the Talents. Um, three servants were given different levels of treasure um, by their master and the master went away and expected them to, to make much use of what they had been given and as the story goes those of you who are familiar with it know that the two, two of the three used what they had been given well they had generated a profit, um, and there was a third who, who did not use what he was given well and was harshly reprimanded for burying his treasure in the ground. This passage gives us two positive examples of honorable men, real life men that lived two thousand years ago um, and they are 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 those who used what God, the gift That God had given them well. And so they're called to be honored and admired and imitated. Um, They're examples that we should give praise to God for. The first is Timothy. Um, Timothy is Paul's right hand man. If you remember in chapter 1 verse 1. He is mentioned in the greeting of this letter. He's alongside Paul. And he's probably he's got to be the most the, the one closely associated with Paul if you read all of Paul's letters Timothy is mentioned frequently and in 1st um, and 2nd Timothy that Paul wrote directly to him he, he was with Paul on his missionary journey and eventually he became a pastor in a church in Ephesus and in this passage just to kind of give you some structure Timothy is one who Paul's desirous he hopes to send to the church at Philippi he wants to send uh, Timothy to the Philippians it's a future desire and then the second is Epaphroditus in verse 25 and Epaphroditus is the person who um, delivered a a financial gift to Paul from the Philippians if you remember in chapter 1 Paul commends the Philippians for their partnership in the gospel we know from the end of this book that that partnership was real and tangible they sent him some support while he was in prison and Epaphroditus was the one who delivered that. And um, we believe he was one of the Philippians. He was one of, a part of their church. And so now Paul is actually sending him back. And we think that he is the one who delivered this letter. This is very real. You can just imagine, you know, Epaphroditus handing them this letter and they're, they're reading it. And they're going to read about him and how they should respond to a person like Epaphroditus. And Paul is giving these men as examples for the church to show how God uses gospel-transformed servants to care for the church. He uses gospel-transformed servants to care for the church, and we have much to learn from their example. Let's read the passage, and and then we'll pray and, and walk through it together. The Word of God says, and i trust that in the i trust in the lord that i shortly that shortly i myself will come also verse 25 i have thought it necessary to send to you epaphroditus my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill indeed he was ill Near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ. Risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Let's pray. We, we don't have much to bring. Anything that we bring to you is something that you give already, God. You give us your word, and it is life. You give us your spirit sustains us please be with me you know more than anybody my frailty you know all of our frailty our weakness so be with me be with us help us to hear well help us to be sensitive to your word help us to desire to love and serve one another and to act upon it in Christ's name we pray Amen. Just a quick question to help us establish this. Just let's think through why Paul describes these two examples in the church. Um, because I think this closing passage in chapter 2 is, is at least for our timeline, a four-week buildup. Um, Ending here um, on an argument that Paul began, actually back in chapter one, verse twenty-seven. That's when it's first mentioned in chapter 1, 27, and it goes all the way throughout tw- uh, through, through chapter two. Um, Paul desires, as we've seen through this whole chapter, he desires the church in Philippi and all believers to be unified. And to fight for unity. And he gives a solution for for unity. And that antidote, that antidote for disunity, the solution, is humility. Selflessness. If you want to grow together, if you want to be the body of Christ together, you have to die to yourself. That is the solution. Paul calls us to fill our minds with the mindset of Jesus we're to consider Jesus. He's our Savior who won salvation. For anyone who believes, he, Jesus won salvation through selfless, sacrificial service. He died. He did not count equality with God. Though in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, as it says in Philippians 2.6. But he emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form. He humbled himself. By becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. Paul wants us. He wants the church in Philippi. He wants us to be unified. And unity comes from humility towards one another. And based on and empowered by the humility of Jesus, Paul now gives two examples. I think he gave himself as an example last week, which Bert mentioned. But here are two examples of people who have been transformed by the power of the gospel, by the loving service of Jesus for them and in them. So let's look at these examples, and I, I will notice two ways in which these men cared for the church, how they cared for the church, how they served the church for our edification. So first notice that these men cared for the church through acts of selfless service. That's something that unites both the example of Timothy and Epaphroditus. They had a genuine concern for others Look at Timothy. There's no one like Timothy who will be genuinely concerned for the welfare of these people. That's what Paul says in verse twenty. I have no one like him. I'm, I'm hoping to send Timothy to you because I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for their welfare. Tim Timothy's service. It's it's. His service of others is flowing from a, a care that he has for others. He's got genuine care for others, and it's leading him to serve. And later, in, in verse 22, Paul's going to ex- describe Timothy like this. You know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me, along, served alongside me, with me, in the gospel... They've seen the example of Timothy's life. He, he is side by side with Paul like a son is with a father, following him, caring alongside Paul in the gospel. Or it could be said, in gospel ministry. They're, they're united in this gospel ministry. Timothy's tested, he's proven, and they've seen it. So somehow, they, they, they all visited together, possibly, Timothy and Paul, they're working together to make the gospel known and it's, it's witnessed. And then we have this Epaphroditus guy who, other than having a hard name, is uh, amazing. Look, look at the, the way that he cares through selfless service. You can see in verse 26, first of all, this is how he feels about the Philippians. For he has been longing for you all. So he went away. He delivered this gift to Paul from the Philippians. And, and now this is how he feels about them. He has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Now this is amazing. Just look at the fruit in this, this, this life. So he's, he's, he's a brother. He's a fellow worker, a fellow soldier. Those are all encouraging descriptions of a follower of Christ. He's he's with Paul, he's with them, he sees that he's a part of something bigger, just like a soldier in an army, just like a brother with a brother, just like a worker in a factory. We're all getting this thing put together by working together. But look at how he responds when the Philippians found out he was ill. So apparently, Epaphroditus went to deliver this gift to Paul and somehow, either along the way or when he got there, he got sick. And it wasn't just a little kind of sick. It was a, a big kind of sickness, near to death. And somehow, we don't know how, the Philippians heard that he was ill. But they didn't hear that he had recovered. And this is the ancient world, and so it's, it's difficult to travel. It's difficult to communicate. Um, we think Paul's in Rome, and Philippi's quite a distance away. It's like getting a text from your spouse with no response, and they're, you know, I'm taking Johnny to the ER, and then nothing else. You try and call, you try and text, and they're not responding. Just imagine the trepidation, the fear. Is Johnny okay? Is Epaphroditus okay? They heard that he was ill, but it doesn't seem that they knew that he had recovered And so he is concerned. He's concerned for their welfare. He's been distressed. Do they know that I'm okay? Do they they know that I'm all right? They have a genuine concern for others. They care through selfless acts of service. Timothy willing to go, Epaphroditus having gone and now returning to them but there's something more fundamental happening in in the lives of Timothy and Epaphroditus and, and, and make note of this because throughout all of this passage is a deeper interest for the interests of Christ they are focused on the interests of Christ so they they are caring for others genuine concern for others and in that concern is a focus on the interests of Christ so so they, they don't first think more of them of, of, of others, they're, they're thinking first. They're having their mind set on Christ. Look at, look at Timothy, he seeks the interests of Jesus Christ. In verse 21, Paul gives us a little contrast to show how proven Timothy is. They all, I don't know who they are, but they all seek their own interests. And that's used as a contrast to show the reliability of this Timothy guy. He's an example of someone who doesn't seek his interests first. What does he seek? The interests of Jesus Christ. They all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. And by implication, Timothy is that guy who, he's serving them, but he's first serving the interests of Jesus Christ. And, And the same, it just... Paul really has a lot of parallels in mind in this passage for both of these. You see the same type of description given to Epaphroditus. He's delivering this financial gift. He's taking it from, from point A to point B, serving the Philippians, right? And he's serving Paul. But Paul doesn't describe it that way. Look at verse 30. When, it's, when it talks about Epaphroditus going, it says he nearly died trying to go to Paul to deliver this gift. What did he die for? He died for the work of Christ. He died for the work of Christ. So here he is taking this financial gift, but there's something deeper in, in play in both of their lives. They desire to seek the interest of Christ first. They desire to serve Christ first. Not just a delivery man, not just doing Paul's bidding Doing the Philippians bidding, there's something deeper in store. They're working for Christ. They're seeking the interests of Christ. So these men cared for the church by selflessly serving. Second, look at the... So so these men care for the church, but notice that they're pursuing something, and, and Paul's doing this as well. As they're caring for the church... They're pursuing something else. They're going after something else as well. And it's called joy. They're going after, they're pursuing, they're caring by pursuing joy in the Lord. This passage is, the, the, the whole book is joy is, is an inescapable concept that Paul keeps bringing up. And in this passage, joy is everywhere. Just walk through this with me. Why is Paul sending Timothy? Why does he desire to send Timothy? For his cheer. For his encouragement. His joy. I think that's a synonymous term. He wants to send Timothy... Because he wants to be cheered by news of them. The, the idea is that Timothy's going to go later after this letter is received. And that the Philippians will have responded positively and, and, and obeyed what he called them to do. And Timothy is going to come back and say, Paul, they're following Jesus still. This is great. And Paul says, yes, I'm going to be cheered by that. He is hopeful that that will happen when he, when he hears back from Timothy. And he also hopes to visit himself. That's a desire that he has throughout if the Lord wills. And he, he believes it will be God's will. And and, and Timothy, I think implicitly, wants to, to give Paul joy. You, you see that he's, he, he is being sent to, cheer, to give Paul cheerful news about them. And Timothy is a servant in the gospel with Paul. Side by side. He's seeking um, I believe to as he as he seeks the welfare of the Philippians is seeking Paul's joy and Epaphroditus is is, is pursuing joy too, isn't he? He um, is distressed. Verse twenty six. He's longing for you all. He's been distressed because he heard that you was ill, and they were they heard the Philippians heard that Epaphroditus was ill. Now look at verse twenty eight. What does Paul? want to happen when Epaphroditus sees the Philippians. He wants joy to happen. I am the more eager to send him therefore that you may rejoice at seeing him again. So Epaphroditus is after joy. He's distressed. The Philippians think that he may have died. He's been ill and he wants to go see them to give them encouragement and Paul wants them to rejoice. And Paul... As I've already said and alluded, he wants the Philippians to have joy. Not only should they rejoice at seeing him again, they should, in verse 29, receive Epaphroditus back, or welcome, welcome him. Get ready to welcome him back. How? In the Lord, with all joy. Joy is everywhere. There's a call to care for the body. These they're caring through selfless acts of service. They're servant-hearted, taking care of one another. And, and Timothy and Epaphroditus are the two examples of, of serving specific. And they're caring also by pursuing the joy of these people, mutual joy. Paul's joy, Timothy's joy, Epaphroditus' joy. The Philippians' joy. He wants them to have joy. They're committed. Acts of selfless service. That's how they care. And they also care by pursuing one another's joy in the Lord. Now we get to the application of the text, which is in verse 29. The application is to receive and to welcome. Welcome. These people with joy and to give them honor. So two things receive with joy in the Lord and honor these kinds of people. Receive them. When you witness an act of selfless service, like the like the act that Epaphroditus committed. When you witness those who are pursuing your joy, the call is to joyfully welcome those. Welcome these kinds of people. This is a kind of reception, or this is the kind of person that that Paul calls them to welcome and to, to draw in. And similarly, the call is to honor To honor these kinds of people. When you see those who give their life in selfless service. Specifically here it's talking about within the body of Christ. When you see one going out of their way. Dying to self for the sake of Christ. Paul says that the church. When the God gives the church this graciously we should honor them. These people are worthy of honor. We should think well of these people. We should imitate these kind of people. We should rejoice in their faithfulness. So that's the command for us. And, and now I want to pause, just do a little closing aside here, and consider how this is going to be accomplished. There's a few things that are confusing to me in the passage and may be confusing to you as well. So throughout the passage, there's both examples of those who are serving people within the church and there are commands to honor people within the church. So you've got, on on one hand, or, or on this side here, you've got service toward men, focusing, like Epaphroditus and Timothy, Concerned for your welfare. Distressed about you. Wanting to care for you. And we also on this side have a command to honor people. Right? However, we also have, at the same time, a call to not seek our own interest, but to serve Christ. How? How? Am I able, how is how how are we to serve Christ while also serving others? I'm supposed to, am I supposed like where's my focus supposed to be? Am I supposed to be focusing on other people? And if I'm focusing on other people, am I not focusing on Christ? How am I how, how does how do those two things work? Because as Paul or Timothy and Epaphroditus are serving They're serving others, and at the same time, they seem to be serving Christ. How does that work? How is Timothy serving Christ if he is also serving people? How is Epaphroditus working for Christ if he is also serving people? And how are the Philippians to focus on Christ? How are they going to focus on Christ if they're honoring people? Is that taking away from their honor to Christ? Do people get in the way of our honor for Christ? In other words, is my my desire to serve these people, is it going to be so people-focused that I forget that I'm ultimately serving Christ? I think the answer is is, is here. And, And this really gets at the heart of where true Christian behavior is all rooted. How is a person able to serve others and serve Christ at the same time? And the answer, I think, is that all genuine Christian behavior, all genuine Christian behavior, all selflessness toward others, all honor given to others is rooted in a desire to first seek the interests of Christ and to work for Christ. In sports, there's a repeated phrase by coaches that I heard a few times. Um, it says, be where your feet are. Be where your feet are. The principle is, if, if you're not where your feet are, you're going to be off balance. You're, gonna, you're not going to be able to react as quickly. You're going to miss a step. You'll fall over. And if your body is out of control, you're going to lose. You know, if there's a rep, and you're not where your feet are, you're going to lose the rep. You're not in control. You've lost your foundation from which you're playing the game. That's really true in all field sports, football, soccer, basketball. The principle is the same in our lives as Christians. In our lives, every action and every deed toward others must be rooted first in a desire to seek the interests of Jesus Christ. If your life and your behavior isn't grounded in the interests of Christ, it won't be honorable service to others. Be where your feet are. Your feet must be rooted, your steps must be rooted, your body must be aligned under a, a, a fundamental desire. To seek the interest of Christ first. similarly, a, a, a tree look at the thing of a tree, we, we see fruit produced on a tree. We know inherently that fruit comes from a source, from nutrients um, feeding being going up through the roots. be where your feet are. Make your roots deep in the desire to seek the interests of Christ. There's three things that I just want to ask as we we close. What sort of lives are we seeking to honor within the church? Paul calls us to honor those whose selfless Serve and pursue our joy in the Lord. That's how they care. They they serve one. They serve others and they pursue our joy. They're seeking to build our joy in the Lord. They're seeking to care by serving others. That's what. That's the kind of people Paul calls us to honor within the church. And a connected question is, where. Am I finding joy in the body of Christ? Paul calls us to find joy in the Lord as we see the body of Christ serve and care for one another. We should be gluttons for others' joy, desirous to build one another's joy in the Lord. So what sort of lives are we honoring within the church? And where are we finding joy within the body of Christ? And then the third thing. Are your feet planted first in the gospel of Jesus? Are you being nourished by the loving servant heart of Jesus? I think this is a call for us to all search our our hearts before God. To remember where our roots are, to remember where our feet must be as we look to serve one another. Are your feet planted in the gospel of Jesus? Because you remember, what is the, what's the gospel point that Paul's trying to make here? What about Jesus does Paul want them to remember in, in Philippians chapter 2? Who is our Savior? Who though he was in the form of God did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. That's our Savior. May we model the example of Christ. Think back to that parable of the talents, right? Three people were given talents by their master, called to produce fruit, called to make a profit. Most of the servants took the advice, took the service that they had been given, and, and reaped a reward. And one servant, though, buried the service he had been given in the ground. All of us, have been served by Christ. We all, if we are partakers of the same, we're gonna, we're gonna partake together of the Lord's Supper, and we're saying, we are with Jesus. But, but remember, when we say that, that, Paul wants you to remember, you're with Jesus who served you, who died for you. We may not have much. We may think that service in the church flows from good teaching ability or type a personality this talent has been universally given to everyone in the in the body of Christ because we've all been served are your feet planted in the gospel of Jesus are you being being nourished by the loving servant heart of Christ It's from there we can see others as those whom we can serve. Let's pray. Use us, God. We need you. I need you. We are so prone to forget that we've been served by Christ. We are so prone to forget and bury that truth. Don't let it be. May we serve. May our minds be ever thinking of, of what Jesus has done as we look to serve within this church. In Christ's name I pray, amen.